Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Enter the Labyrinth. So today we are doing another one of those commentary videos on a video I found. I watched about a minute of it um, and quickly realized I wanted to react to it. Uh, See, I didn't see the second half of it, but I thought it'd be fun to do the new experiment I'm doing with the podcast with this clip. And it is a Jordan Peterson clip, which you can probably tell from the title because I'm assuming I'm going to put in the title. Um, But I don't want to scare people away with that even if they're jordan peterson fans um i mean maybe that maybe that will because i mean jordan peterson has some very fanatic fans i guess you could say but uh the goal is you know i I recognize that jordan peterson probably has helped people with some of his self-help content but my critique of jordan peterson is a lot of his self-help content is I mean, it's stuff you can find anywhere. He's basically kind of positioned himself and used his PhD to gain authority around this stuff. And then now people consume a lot of his stuff. And to be frank, um, I listened to some of his courses back in the day, some of his college lecture courses. uh, And I I didn't have a lot of problem with some of those. Uh, Like Maps and Meaning, I didn't have a huge problem with. But, you know, beyond that, though... um, He's kind of devolved, in my opinion, over the last few years or so. I know he had a lot of those health issues, but now he's back. And he seems to have doubled down on many of his problematic positions and problematic beliefs and problematic uh, understandings of truth, um, understandings of women and gender roles. uh, And he's kind of become more transphobic. Just the, the whole litany of things, which is why I wanted to start covering him a little bit more. Uh, I find it kind of important because he's still a very popular figure. Um, and I just want people to kind of, I want to use this as a method maybe to have people separate these two distinctions of Jordan Peterson, where yes, he might be helping people with some self-help stuff and get their life in order and giving them habits. And he's an authority figure. So they're going to use his, his habits and it's going to help him out, yada, yada, all that stuff. But then also we got to combine that. Okay. So if he's, let's say he's good at expressing that stuff, does that then mean that he's an expert in other areas, an expert in many of these other areas he tries to comment, comment, commentate on, whether it's politics or even like cultural history and, and biblical history stuff. Um, and I think that's something we need to consider. And I, and I say that as someone that's, I don't consider myself an expert on anything, um, but it's just the amount of authority he wields at this point. And using that PhD to wield that authority is, is something I'm, I'm intrigued by. But today's video in the clip is kind of revolving around uh, the Bible, at least the minute I got into. And he made some comments about the Bible and Christianity and truth that I was really felt the need to, to do some um, commentary on. And I thought it would be entertaining and fun for me and hopefully informative to you but as always thank you for your support you can check out the bonus episode feed which is now different from the Substack exclusive newsletter uh both of those links will be below um yeah i think that's the only announcement we really need to do today as always thank you for support i appreciate y'all for listening and i enjoy doing this and i enjoy you listening but let's enter the labyrinth okay so under the clip. If categories dis- 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 dissolve, especially fundamental ones, the culture is dissolving because the culture is a structure of category. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So <laughs> this, this like first 10 seconds is what actually got me to 
want to commentate on this just because the way he talks about categories there. And I, I'm actually going to replay this because he kind of, I want you to see how he assumes that categories shouldn't get changed. They ought not to get changed. Okay, so let me, let me replay this. Logan experience. If categories dis, 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 dissolve, especially fundamental ones, the culture is dissolving because the culture is a structure of category. So I basically, I, I agree that the culture is a structure of categories. Like it is part of it. Um, we categorize culture. We have various categories within culture. We have all these subcategories, various groups, backgrounds and beliefs from religion to politics to, to you know, you have counterculture movements, you got fashion movements, you got film movements, you got, you got all these various subcategories within a culture, right? But he sees culture as deteriorating because the categories are deteriorating. But that doesn't, he is also assuming that that's a bad thing. Because this, I think, in my opinion, this happens all the time throughout history. We are constantly deconstructing our categories and reconstructing new categories. I do believe, you know, Peterson is right. Culture is basically categories. But, but we should find it okay to, to have these new categories be reborn because at the end of the day what they are is they're just made up categories things we agreed upon intersubjective truths that we find helpful to to our life whether it's about finding peace whether about finding meaning or just straight up just having a good time in life that is what these various categories are for so that you can can better develop relationships with people you can find people you better connect with all this stuff and, and for some reason, and, and this is what I can never understand. I've listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson, even if I almost disagree with a lot of the stuff he says. I, I, I just have yet to understand or find where he actually pinpoints why the deconstruction of categories is actually bad. Because he says this shit all the time. But let's let him keep going. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Right. So, and in fact, culture is, a stra- culture is a structure of category that we all share. So we see it. Yes, it's it's the those um, we all share them, and we all we all take part in creating them. They don't come from some some central source. I think that is a key thing to remember too. Things the same way. Well, that's why we can talk. I mean, not exactly the same way, because then we'd have nothing to. Talk. Right, I'm going to rewind that just because I want to get that main point across. Structure of category that we all share. So we see things the same way. Well, that's why we can talk. I mean, not exactly the same way, because then we'd have nothing to talk about. But roughly speaking, we have a bedrock of agreement. Uh, that's the Bible, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is where I stopped. I was 30 seconds in, is all, not even a minute. And <laughs> he brings in, like, he, he is, he's always been a fan. He, you know, he's, he's all for Western culture. He's always been a huge proponent of, of propping up the Bible. A lot of his lectures, the, the myths that they bring up, that he brings up, are the Bible myths. And he uses them as examples a lot. Um, and I just find that interesting and where we'll see where he takes this. But it's like he acts as though that the Bible is this cohesive central source of our knowledge and that everything extends from there. But there is there is no evidence for that. I mean, just okay. Let me let me let him talk before I go on a fucking rant here. So I just walked through the Museum of the Bible in Washington. That was very cool. It's a very cool museum. So the structure—that's what the Bible. Yeah, that's what provides. I figured out. I've been—I just figured this out this week. 
<laughs> Wait. So, so basically what he just said there was, he went to the, the Museum of the Bible and through walking through the Museum of the Bible, he had this realization about the Bible being the central source of truth, right? So this is what I was talking about uh, before we actually, in the intro to this episode, where he, he's, he has a PhD in like psychology, right? Or psychoanalysis or whatever it is. He was a practicing therapist for a while, for example. And now he takes he takes this this authority he has, all these people listening to him, all these people listening to his every word, all these people trying to get through all of his word salad. And he takes that. I think he takes that. And then he's like, okay, I must, I must be onto something here. I must be a knower of all these things. So then he walks into like a museum about the Bible and then just thinks he can figure out all this new knowledge and this originality of knowledge and, and new truths and just wield them as though he's an expert because he just thinks he's just a supreme mind around these things. He literally just said he just went to a museum of the Bible and now he thinks he's like an expert on telling people that where all of our truth actually comes from is the Bible. And we will get into why that doesn't make sense because I'm assuming he's about to dive into some of that here. It's only like a, a four and a half minute clip, but we'll see where it goes. So it was a cool... It was a cool thing to walk through because it's it's chronological. They have one floor, which is the history of the Bible. Mm. But it's not exactly that. It's really what it is, is the history of the book. Now, in many ways, the first book was the Bible. I mean, literally. Because... Uh, what? Um... <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to I don't even know how to say this or how deep to go into this. But that is just straight up not true. Uh that is objectively not true, historically not true. However you spin it, what he just said there is not true. And before if I get any emails or anything about, oh, you're just not understanding what Jordan Peterson's saying, which I sometimes get all this all the time. Th- what he just said there, either he completely misspoke. Or he is actually saying the Bible is the first book. And if he's saying the Bible is the first book, he is objectively false. Like that is so false. It's I'm concerned of why he even said that. I'm concerned of why he even thinks that. And this kind of adds to my point earlier where I said I'm cons- like he's kind of devolved o- over the last few years or so and has doubled down on some of his problematic takes. And one of those problematic takes is around truth and around the Bible and how influential he thinks the Bible is on on our miss art and i worded that wrong the bible is influential on our miss today but the way jordan peterson sees it he sees it as we shouldn't be deconstructing the bible miss as much as we are trying to do um yeah i think that's kind of my opinion but i think i'm right but yeah so and also the first book was not the bible it, it's it's not even the first religious text uh the epic of gilgamesh was before that um what else also, the Bible copied a bunch of stuff from the Epic of Gilgamesh, so there, there's some more evidence. Um, the pyramids were covered in writing. Uh, we have we have the Book of the Dead. We have the Tibetan Book of the Dead, I think, also came before. I actually am not 100% sure on that. I know, like, the Egyptians have, they have uh, the Book of the Dead as well. Um, that one came before. These are all, like, kind of somewhat religious texts. All came before the Bible. Some of them even influenced the Bible. But uh, to say that the Bible is the first book is just straight-up blasphemy. Uh, not true. Yeah. I don't know where he's going with that. Like the first, maybe the first modern structure of a book, I guess, maybe, I don't even know if that would be true. Cause I guess they're written, uh, stuff was written on scrolls, um, papyrus, um, 
Yeah. Anyway, let's see where he goes with this. At one point, there was only one book, like as far as our Western culture is concerned, there was one book. And for a while, literally, there was only one book. Okay, so even even in Western culture, and, and there was never just one book, like the Bible, th- this is... This is something Christians also often like to throw out, but there has been, there is many various texts that influence the Bible. One, there's various um, subtexts of the Bible. And finally, I don't even, I didn't write down or anything. I'm going off memory here. Um, but they finally kind of like agreed upon the King James Bible. Um, and I say agreement, that's in quotation marks because they didn't really agree. Uh, King James basically slaughtered anyone that would not agree to use this version of the, of the Bible. But they came together, combined a bunch of the texts of, so-called Christianity, and they kicked a bunch of other texts out. So this idea that there was ever one central book of the Bible is just also not true. Um, and also even in, in the West, that's also not true because Western culture has been influenced by the Greeks as well. And they also had books like the Iliad, most of the Iliad and Homer, all the, all those were, most of them were written before anything was written down about the, in, in the Bible, even the Hebrew Bible and, and stuff like that. So again, just... So far, every single thing he has said has been false, and I, I'm even trying to 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 kind of make his argument stronger, and I can't even think of a way to do it right now. So, I guess I'm sorry about that, but I, I don't know. It's very problematic positions he's taking here. Let's and that book was the Bible, and then before it was the Bible, it was a you know it was scrolls, and it was writings on papyrus and but it was we were starting to aggregate written text together and it went through all sorts of technological transformations okay so this is another interesting thing he brings up the scroll point which i kind of brought up earlier but it's funny that you brought this up um so the way books are written today obviously with you know hardcover and text and all that stuff they weren't written like that all throughout history but we didn't have the technology for it but doesn't mean we didn't have writing and organized text that t- told like organized stories. He's he's acting as though they were they were all just like all over the place and they weren't organized. We had organized text, and and you can still consider something like some form of book or or written down uh, understanding of truth and, and theory and, and whatever it is. You know, sometimes people would just share it with through the spoken word. Um, like fucking the Odyssey was about basically was, wasn't written down for the longest time. So you, you have these various ways of spreading knowledge. So this idea that just because it's a book, he's a, basically what he's saying there, which is extremely problematic. He's basically saying that because the Bible is written down and it's in a book, then it's true. And just because like we agreed to put it in a book and then it becomes true, that like makes no sense on in any plane of our existence. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where he's going with that. And then it became books that everybody could buy, the book everybody could buy, and the first one of those was the Bible, and then it became all sorts of books that everybody could buy. But all those books, in some sense, emerged out of that underlying book, and that book itself, the Bible isn't a book, it's a library. It's a collection of books. And so, what I figured out was... So, first it was a book, now it's a library. He's also trying to claim that all writing is essentially influenced by the Bible, but it also assumes the Bible was the origin of that truth. But what influences did we have culturally and stuff that was written down, stuff that was spoken about, various cultures that we were surrounded by and, and people that wrote the Bible who were also surrounded by? 
Who are they influenced by? So he wants to he wants to simplify these things down into some central source, so that it's really easy to to message and to take that central source and then build a hierarchy from it. So as though like we should take from this. I guarantee you, I and I promise I have not listened to this clip yet, but I guarantee you he's going to name drop hierarchy in, at some point here. I oh man, I'm I fucking promise you. He's going to name drop hierarchy and he's going to make this point about hierarchy. He wants to say that the Bible is this like central source and there's a hierarchy that builds upon it. And that higher and the Bible is on top of the hierarchy. It is the dominant form of knowledge, right? But he just doesn't take into account. That's not really how we gather knowledge. And that's kind of also why I want to do this episode because I've wanted to say this about Jordan Peterson from a while, not just from this clip. Um, but this is why I've been reading things like... Gutierrez and and Deleuze because uh, they have great stuff on this and, and their concept of the rhizome um, and how, how things grow at a ry- out of a rhizome is you don't have this central point of information. You have you have data and information and then you share that data and information and it, and it, and it uncontrollably spreads. You don't you don't have the central source that is the origin of all of it. You have this spreading of information and sharing of information. And as we share and spread information, we create new understandings of information. And it's hard for us to pinpoint back down that central source because there is no central source. Because we're constantly influenced by many, many, many things, factors, nature, culture, beliefs, ideology, all these things that pop up from people with various backgrounds. We cannot pinpoint them down into a hierarchy because that attempts to oversimplify a very complex thing. So, yeah, yeah, let's let's hear how he goes. Partly because I was talking to my brother-in-law, Jim Keller, who's the world's greatest chip designer and has now designed a chip that's as powerful as the human brain, which is optimized for artificial intelligence learning, by the way. And so I talked to him about that. He said, you heard of the Internet? I said, yeah, Jim, I've heard of the Internet. He said, this is way more revolutionary than that. So, in any case, we were talking about meaning in text because we were talking about translation and the problem of understanding text. And Jim said, the meaning of words is coded in the relationship of the words to one another. And the postmodernists make that case that all meaning is derived from the relationship between words. That's uh, wrong because, well, what about rage? That's not. Oh, my. I'm actually, I'm, I'm getting more frustrated with this clip than I thought I would. Um, okay, so postmodernism. Again, I I think I've recommended, there's uh, this channel called Cuck Philosophy. I think I even recommended this recently um, that ha- does a nice analysis of everything wrong with um, Jordan Peterson's views on postmodernism, how inaccurate he has or how inaccurate his takes are of them. <laughs> Um, but his postmodernism is a point. He's basically saying that meaning does not exist outside of language. And he's saying that the postmodernists are saying that this is not what most postmodernism is, is doing at all. Uh, if anything, it, I would say it's more accurate to say it's the opposite of that. because um, postmodernism, postmodern, I'm struggling to talk today. Postmodernism is making an observation, um, or analysis of where we are, Pulling our meaning from the narratives we build to build as society, uh, the values we create, and how those relate to each other. Um, the postmodernists are basically saying meaning is at the foundation, and we are kind of using language to make sense make sense of the meaning, make sense of all that. And language is imprecise in making sense of that human condition, 
of that confusion, of that uncertainty. Thus, that's where we, we, you know, postmodernism does get critiqued for falling into relativism um, and all this stuff because it's pinpointing the imprecise nature of language. It is not saying that meaning is simply from language, like what he just fucking said. That makes no sense. That is not what they're saying. Uh, yeah, I just get, I get frustrated by stuff like this because, um, you know, I, I just find it fascinating that, that Peterson is such a huge fan of Carl Jung. Um, and uses Carl Jung in his work a lot. Um, and I'm generally a fan of Carl Jung. I disagree with Carl Jung on a lot and also some of his problematic past. I think that's come about. Um, however, Jung is a very intelligent person of our history. Um, and this understanding of meaning and pulling meaning from things, this is what Peterson tries to do. But Peterson goes five steps further than what Jung tried to do. And Peterson tries to proclaim these things we extract from the unconscious, these myths, these these understandings of language and the myths that we use to or, or the language we use to describe myths. He wants to make them objective. He wants to say, oh, the Bible. So everything we do is coming from the central source. This is where it all started. This is where all of our myths started from. And then this this makes every this is what truth is. We need to look here and here is where we can find the most meaning and all this stuff. But he doesn't want to accept that, that that too, the Bible, was influenced by all the circumstances from that time. There is no central source. You cannot find the central source. And I, I don't know. It's, uh, anyway, let's continue. Not words. And what about moving your hand? That's not words. So it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But, but part of it's right. Because the meaning we derive from the verbal domain is encoded in the relationship between words. Yeah. So... So now then you think, well, let's think about the relationship between words. Well, some words are dependent on other words. Some ideas are dependent on other ideas. True. The more ideas are dependent on a given idea, the more fundamental that idea is. By de- that's a definition of fundamental. So now... Uh, so he's doing it. He's extracting too much from... He, he is... He wants to oversimplify how the Bible was created and how the truth of the Bible was created. He wants to oversimplify that. He's basically saying because people agree upon it, you know, he's he's basically talking about a intersubjective truth. It's like he doesn't know what intersubjective truth means because intersubjective truth still entails the subjective nature of experience, the subjectiveness of the individual experiencing said knowledge, said object, said experience, right? It's subjective. We, it's up for interpretation. So intersubjective truths are still subjective. Just because people agree upon them, it doesn't extract them and make them and make them become objective. What he's kind of trying to say here is that because people agree upon them and because a lot of people follow the Bible, all of a sudden now we have these objective truths from the Bible. Um, and that's just, that's just not true. Um, and it also, again, like he wants to get to this foundational level as though uh, language hasn't changed since then or, or language hasn't evolved and devolved since then. And where language at was, was at at the time, where the people's experiences were at at the time. He needs to take all those things into account. And if you take those into account, it's really hard to make it a foundation, especially on a text that has been so molded and changed and altered and fought over throughout history. You know, it's really hard to build a foundation of truth from that text, just simply based on that fact, not even going into what the Bible actually says, just based on how the Bible was created. It's really hard to make a foundational truth. You know, it's, it's an intersubjective truth for people, but it's not an objective truth. So, yeah.
Imagine you have an aggregation of texts in a civilization. You say, which are the fundamental texts? And the answer is, the texts upon which most other texts depend. And so you'd put Shakespeare way in there in English because so many texts are dependent on Shakespeare's literary revelations. And Milton would be in that category, and Dante would be in that category, at least in translation. Fundamental authors, part of the Western canon, not because of the arbitrary dictates of power, but because those texts influenced more other texts. And then you think about that as a hierarchy, okay, with the Bible at its base. What did I fucking say? <laughs> he was going to fucking build this into a hierarchy. And this is why I didn't even stop the clip sooner, because I thought he was going there. Uh, but you, what my point stands, what I said earlier about the hierarchy thing and why you can't do that, is because it, it tries to oversimplify the influence a text has. Texts are influential on influencing other forms of knowledge. Yes. You, maybe you could even make the argument that within a rhizome, there's centralized sources within rhizomes that spread about. I don't know. That's an argument for a different day. But the point is still stands that these creations of that hierarchy that, that Jordan's trying to create around knowledge are just simply made up narratives in the mind that are hopeful thinking. They're hopeful because he's presuming things. He's, he's basically trying to presume, especially with the Bible, as the central source of truth, the one text, the first text. He's trying to make a presupposition about the Bible. He's just going to assume the Bible and then everything else comes from there. And that is, I think that's very, 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 very problematic. Which is certainly the case. Now imagine that's the entire corpus of, ling of linguistic production, all things considered. Now how do you understand that? Like literally, how do you understand that? The answer is you sample it by reading and listening to stories and listening to people talk. You sample that whole domain. You build a low-resolution representation of that in your, inside you. And then you listen and see through that. And so it isn't that the Bible is true. It's that the Bible is the precondition for the manifestation of truth. Holy f it's, it's You know what's kind of frustrating is from that clip, and I'm going to try to explain it, where he's basically saying that the lens we see everything through is through the Bible. Um, I think that's pretty straightforward. He took a little bit longer to explain that, but that's basically what he's saying. The lens we see everything through is the Bible. So therefore, we need to understand the Bible. And if we don't understand the Bible, we don't understand where our beliefs and stuff come from, or our truth comes from. That is correct to an extent, not nearly to the extent that Jordan uh, is talking about. Because the Bible is influential on where we are today and our, some of the opinions we have. Um, and it, that's why it's important to understand it. But he wants to act like we can create, like I've been saying, the central source of it. But you need to evaluate the various lenses you have. And it's never just the Bible. He wants to oversimplify it down into this one thing. And that's why I'm so frustrated is because it's pretty easy to recognize, I think, that we can't just simply boil it down to the Bible. We can't do that. Like, it's, it's impossible to do that. You know, because he is not talking about um, the Bible being true in the same sense that Christians think he is sometimes because he's not he's not doing that he is talking about an intersubjective truth without ever admitting that it's intersubjective because he knows once he explains the the concept of the intersubjective truth his whole argument will fall apart his argument will deteriorate because he is just one step away from being the postmodernist that he criticizes he is one step away he is almost there he is almost there with with 
anti-Oedipus of, of Felix Gutiari and Deleuze. And next step, he's going to be reading A Thousand Plateaus and he will be there. He is so close. And like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I see what Jordan is trying to explain and how knowledge is gathered and how we form opinions. I kind of agree with him to some extent. But then he, he says, well, no, we actually get these opinions and beliefs from this very central source. And we can just talk about that. And, and that's where all our truth is derived from. That, that is not true. It's like you will never know the central source because you can never fully grasp all the influences that you have going on around you, all the other subjective experiences, all the other uh, um, you know influences from nature that we don't understand, from the cosmos, all this stuff that's constantly um, influencing us. We will never understand all of that. We are uncertain about that. We are uncertain of our very origins. We are uncertain of our knowledge and we will always be uncertain of our knowledge. And I think that's okay, in my opinion. I've talked about that in the past. Um, but I think Jordan just, he wants to so bad to get it to the certainty and it probably helps that he, him trying or attempting to get to this, this certain point, this certain point of knowledge, uh, you know, it's probably helpful that he's getting paid a lot of money to do it. Uh, and he, a lot of his fan base is leans Christian. I think that's undoubtedly true. His fan base leans right, which he has very uh, conservative political beliefs who believe in tradition and he wants to uphold those traditions because for some reason he thinks upholding those traditions is safer and better than creating new ones. But he, I don't, what I think he fails to realize is how much those traditions and structures have already changed throughout history. He's trying to create this narrative of how, how, you know, the Bible and, and truth and structures and, and maybe even things like capitalism, how they're, how they've been moving towards this thing and they've, they've stayed, the structure has stayed as a foundation all throughout, but the foundation has constantly been deconstructed and reconstructed over and over again. You, you use little pieces from the, the deconstruction, but it doesn't change the fact that the reconstruction is completely anew. It's something completely different. And you cannot pinpoint it back to these central sources that Jordan is trying to do here. So that was a little bit of rant, but I hope you enjoyed that. Let's see what else. He's got a few more seconds left. Which makes it way more true than just true. It's a whole different kind of true. And I think this is, I think this is not, not only literally the case, <laughs> factually, I think it can't be any other way. It's the only way we can solve the problem of perception. What? I actually don't even know what he meant by that last point, really. But I just want to give some closing thoughts for you in today's episode on, on this kind of whole thing. Um, you know, I I kind of respect Jordan to an extent um, for his ability to create word salad on the fly that at first glance appears very deep. Uh, I think that is a skill set. Um, to an extent, and sometimes it can be used for harm. And I think sometimes he uses it for harm. And sometimes I think he uses it for good. I bet his patients had some success with him um, back when he was a practicing uh, therapist. But, but, you know, I, an issue I take is, is I do this on the podcast too. I think sometimes, um, you know, making sweeping societal theory, you know, doing that stuff to an extent, I think that's okay. But you can't present it as as truth, as this objective truth, without doing any empirical research or analysis. You can't do that. You have to be upfront about that. You have to be upfront about how you're kind of spitballing. You have to be upfront about how, you know, your expertise, I guess, to an extent, too. And I try to be upfront about that because, like, I'm not an expert, but I enjoy reading many things, commentating on things, and... And part of the process of my learning is commentating on stuff. I'm upfront about that on almost every episode. 
But Jordan acts as though he is a this grand arbiter of truth, and he uses various tactics that I, I wonder if we'll we'll see how this episode does, and I'll probably analyze more in the future. But you know, it's, to be honest, he's he's just he's like the dude that smokes too much weed, and then on the rare occurrence that dude has has a point to make. You know, it makes sense. But it takes him a half hour to say a point that should be like one fucking sentence. And and to me, that sums up Jordan pretty precisely. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that, that concludes today. I hope I didn't, or I hope I expressed my side of things well enough. I know I can get rambly too as I critique Jordan. I get rambly as well. Um, but I really wanted to get some points across and stuff I've been wanting to say about Jordan for a while now. And I just... Actually, I couldn't get him to to written form the way I like, so I thought a podcast episode would be good to do that. So I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, thank you all for listening. But now it's time for you to get the fuck out of my life.